All aboard the gravy train! Are you riding your financial planner or broker's gravy train? Your financial prospectus outlines how brokers are allowed to charge you hidden fees. Next stop, hidden fees! Want to take back control of your retirement income? Just get off at the next stop. And tune in to the Total Financial Hour with host Arif Halaby, Sundays at 11 a.m. Learn about your financial power on the Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halaby, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arab Halibut. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being with me this hour of the program. Talking about your family's finances, of course, getting out of debt, managing money, planning for the future. It's a little bit crazy out there. Would you not say this has been, uh, I guess to put it lightly, a wild week? If you're not paying attention, it means you're asleep. Maybe you're sitting inside of, a, I don't know, maybe a locked bedroom somewhere or, or something where you, you end up not understanding how the system is, I don't want to say rigged. See, I, I never give enough credit, and, and I don't think they deserve credit, that the entire system can be manipulated and managed and all of those people work together and organize. I just don't think it's that way. I, I think at any time anybody would lie or cheat or tell on other people, but it does seem that everything seems to go in the same direction, doesn't it? That no matter what is happening... We're still moving in a direction where it seems like everybody's kind of coordinated. So instead of, maybe this is clear, in, instead of thinking that people are talking, hey, this is what we're going to do next, and you have uh, the banks talking with the big uh, you know, consumer goods like Procter & Gamble and Soda, make Coca-Cola, you, you know, all these conspiring, Bud Light conspiring with Nike, and next you have Disney you know, in a conference call. Excuse me, sir, line three, who is it? It's uh, MGM, right? I, I don't think that's happening. I think what happens instead is some of the central platforms, and that could be a lot of different things. I would say something like, oh, could be the whole Facebook, Twitter, right? They could come out with a, a conversation about something trending, which would lead you down the path to think, oh my gosh, I want to be like those people. And listen, those folks over there are getting yelled at by these six loud uh, protesters. Uh, you, you realize the protesters, there really is maybe five or eight or nine of them that really start the fire. But they do these bots, these fake names and these fake uh, you know, Facebook and Twitter accounts. And they get something trending and they scare the daylights out of people. And they think that it's widespread and everybody must be thinking the same way. 
And then the natural fire takes off, right? It's like wildfire spreads. And nobody wants to be left in the cold. Coca-Cola, Toyota, uh, nobody. Disney, my goodness, heavens forbid, Disney gets left out in the cold. And nobody wants to be the person who is called a name. You see, America was about individuals, not groupthink. And I think financially, if you plan that way, in the long run, you have a better chance. In other words, think what's better for you and your family first. Then think what's best for the community. Now, I know that sounds a bit, well, capitalistic, because it it's actually is capitalistic. I'll give you a good example. If you think what's better for you and your family, you might come to the conclusion that something like the organizations, uh, the, the manufacturers, rather, Tesla, Ford, BMW. Do you think Tesla and Ford and BMW had a conference call? Uh, excuse me, Elon Musk, line six. Uh, hi, Mr. Musk. Uh, BMW, Mr. Schroeder will be on the line with you. Yeah, uh, Henry Ford, the 15th. He's on line six. Let's join the conference call. I, I don't think that's happening. But here's what did happen. All of these three companies and others are going to follow. Decided that they were going to start phasing out AM radio. Now you might think, ah, gosh, Eric, AM radio, you're saying it because that's where you broadcast. You know how easy it would be for me to broadcast on FM radio? It's a switch. Flip. Go find an AM station. Uh, I'm sorry, FM station. I could do that. It's not difficult. It's just a flipping a switch on, on my control panels. Right? We have control. It's easy. But here's what you can't do. Now think about this for a second. You see, AM radio is capable of traveling very long distance. In fact, sometimes in my home, I can hear, I know this is going to shock you, I can hear based on the way the mountains and on a real clear night, a Chicago station, Denver radio stations. You know, the 50,000 watt, like AM870, KFI, some of the big ones, 50,000 watts out of Chicago and New York. They have to tone them down at night because they travel really far. That's a lot of power. And you realize an AM radio is free. That's the emergency ones. You know, the ones that you have with the hand crank that you have in your emergency kits. Why? The emergency broadcast system that works off of AM radio. It'd be weird, right? Why is George Soros buying up AM radio if they're so worthless? What is he, a dumb businessman? I would say no to that question. He's not a dumb businessman. So why is he buying them up if Ford and Tesla and BMW are getting rid of them? Because I think they're coming at the, at the uh, let's just say, the hot dog at one end and the other end. They're, they're trying to get to the center as fast as they Paul uh, as fast as they can and here's why because when you do that conservative talk radio can go bye-bye you, you can't reach as many people you know that right AM radio goes much further than FM now FM goes through buildings so if you're in a building if you're in a solid steel structure in the middle cubicle AM radio yeah you're right it's difficult to get through now you can stream it all day long love it stream it But you see, the choke point, if you use satellite radio, the choke point 
if you stream music through the internet is the ISPs, right? I mean, it's the internet service providers. It's not just that. I don't want to get too technical, but you know those towers that are out there. You see, AM radio has uh, one tower. That's it. If you're going to stream every few so many people, every so many blocks has to have its own Wi-Fi slash internet cell tower capability. George Soros is buying up AM stations for what reason? Because they have tried and tried and tried to get left-wing talk radio out there. And when conservative talk is on the radio, left-wing talk has no place. Nobody listens. No sponsors don't care. They just want people to buy. And sponsors say, listen, we're not we're not going to invest in that America, Air America, whatever they were doing for a while. So they canceled, went off the air. Changed changed owners, right? Changed formats. So George Soros said, listen, we cannot join them. Right? The old, if you can't beat them, join them. <laughs> well, no, 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 that doesn't exist anymore. There is no, if you if you can't join, beat them, join, no, no, no. They can't join conservative radio. Nobody will listen. So instead, he's chosen to beat them by buying up the stations and saying, guess what? It is now Spanish music, <laughs> Spanish music radio. All across the country, George Soros is buying them up, putting Spanish music, a few country stations, mostly Spanish music radio, Spanish talk radio. Now, let me tell you, if George Soros decides who the program director, if his son, really his son is the evil one in the story today now, if his son decides who the program manager, program director, supervisor, sales manager, on and on, do you think the hosts on the air, who are also decided by directly or indirectly his son, are going to say things that would say, and this is my last show, bye-bye, and get off the air? Left-wing talk doesn't work because they have ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, MSNBC, they have them all. They don't need talk radio to communicate or get their ideas out. And since most people couldn't care less about politics when it comes to listening to entertainment, what do most people do? Well, they say, gosh, Eric, if that's the case, I'm just going to be in a position where, well, I just listen to talk radio. See, Alexander Soros, this kid was born in 1985. I was a senior uh, senior in high school, right around that time, yep. And decides, oh, don't worry, he went to Berkeley. And decided he's going to start, you know, working with his dad quite some time ago. He's 37 years old. Very bad guy. Jonathan Soros, by the way, is the other evil man in the story. And they do a couple of things. They decide that they're going to infiltrate the United States, turn it into a capitalist uh, pariah. They funded Antifa. They have funded BLM protests. It's done. That's already out there. We know it. It's important you realize this because George Soros has quietly become a de facto ambassador, making at least 14 visits. This is his son, by the way. Not George, but the son. 14 visits to the White House to do what? 
You see, Alexander thinks the same way as his dad. Alexander says, I am going to overthrow the United States Conservative Party. Why? Because there's power in it. It isn't as if they say, I'm going to make a business out of it. I'm going to create more wealth. I'm going to uh, become successful financially or wealthy. That wasn't the reason. It had nothing to do with that. They've already created their wealth. They already have their money. Their goal is to undermine the United States. I don't know why. Just a deep hatred for the country, I guess. So as you consider this as an option, why would they want to get rid of conservative talk radio? The emergency broadcast system. The ability for you and I, you understand that we write those three beeps, beep. This has been a broadcast. This is a test. of the. Remember that? I always turn those off. I hate them. Uh, yeah, I don't like them. I don't listen to them. Turn the station. I don't want you to do that on AM 870, but people do. Nobody wants to hear beeping in their ear when they're working out, driving their car, but it, but it's part of the emergency broadcast management system. We had to have it. Well, that's AM radio. That's the prepper slash emergency radio. So I encourage you, and I want to thank you also for supporting AM870. Salem thrives as a conservative outlet on AM radio. So what is their reasoning? Well, I can tell you, if they can't control the speech, they're going to find somewhere down the choke point, somewhere down the line, the pipeline. If they can't control what comes out of the end of the pipeline, which is this right now, you and me talking, then they're going to control it somewhere else along the pipeline. If they can't control it at the middle or the beginning, or, or, or right, they'll control it somewhere. And they're going to put Spanish music radio propaganda Could this result in a way for the Chinese and others to control the passing on of emergency information? Because through the radio stations, right, AM radio, I mean, there's there's hundreds of them across this country. You got to go one after another after another. But if it's the Internet, it's just a couple satellites and you're done. You shut down the entire country's communication system. So I'm going to do something before I skip to the next topic here. Uh, I want to encourage you to do something. I know this is at the risk of my wife sometimes saying, Arif, sometimes you're pushing it a little too far. I go, well, you know, maybe so. I'll, I'll take that. But if I'm right, it's not a little too far. So what I want to encourage you to do is to make sure you understand how to read. You have and you read paper maps. So many of you have been conditioned now to no longer look at the Thomas Guide. Remember those? Thomas Guide, AAA, the maps that come from AAA, Thomas Brothers, Thomas Guide. Remember those? Yeah, they're, go to the yard sale. You'll get them for a dollar. But <laughs> I think you should look at, why do I want you to do that? Because I, I think if there's a problem and they shut down navigation on your phone, if they shut down satellite GPS, you know, systems, on your car, because they can do that too, by the way. Then I want you to do something, and that is to make sure you have the ability to read and teach your children to read a paper map. Right? Here's the roads. Here's the here's what the legend, the legend says this is a railroad track. The legend says this is a river. This is a freeway. It's going to help you. It'll help you understand 
how to take power and control back in your hand. Because who knows what they're doing with this push to take over the radio stations? I don't know. I do thank you guys for being a part of the show and for listening. I think that's a big part of what we do. I think you guys are are important to understand why we have to have this level of communication. You see, your retirement accounts are still in your hands. Having a variety of sources of income avoid the choke points. You've heard me talk about this, right? I don't want you in a position to where you have one retirement account in the sense that your source of income is Social Security. Then somebody says, I'm sorry, Social Security is gone. Sorry, Social Security, we we can't give you 100% of your pay. Because like I mentioned before, you see, Social Security doesn't just disappear. It doesn't. It it goes along and it says, most likely, it's going to be something like 65, 70% of your paycheck. Right. So, for example, let's say you're expected $2,000 a month. Social Security is going to say, listen, we have enough money for $1,400 a month, about 70% of it. That's coming right around 2032. If we don't straighten ourselves up sooner, it could be 2031. That's a big problem because the closer we get to those days, the bigger the problem is going to be. Right. I mean, it's not a secret. We just know that the further along we go, the heart of the problem is going to be to fix. So you have to ask yourself, what is it that I'm trying to solve? Well, I'm trying to, to get myself into a position where I don't go backwards financially, but I'm also trying to get myself in a position where I have multiple sources of income in retirement. That is the gold. So you have some social security. Great. Got it. You have some sources of retirement income that come from a pension. I like that. But do you not think that at one point in time they're going to say, I'm sorry, you can't have your pension? Sorry, your pension is running out of money? There just isn't enough? So that's my whole point, right, guys? So keep that in mind. All right, I want to jump to, to another topic here for just a second because I think enough of you have figured out that the banking system, something's fishy something. <laughs> As they say, something is fishy somewhere. But it isn't just the banking system. Because the United States has done so well because it was a decentralized system. Very few crossroads were uh, involved. For example, you would buy your medications from one place, but there was multiple pharmacies. Independent. Joe the pharmacist. Mary the pharmacist. Right down the street. And then big companies started moving in. Just like the Costco's or the Sam's Clubs and the Walmarts, they started putting out the little guy out of business. So the big CVS and Walgreens, Rite Aid, these big companies came in. And you might say, well, at least they're convenient. They have a lot of things, not just pharmacy. They have uh, sodas and drinks and greeting cards, and I can get my gum there. It's a little bit of makeup if I forgot that. Whatever you needed, it's there. Well, now CVS is forcing its employees to use pronouns. Share unisex bathrooms with other people. Do you really think that's not going to lead to a problem? Just like having men dressed like women swim, play volleyball, tennis. Did, did you not think that was going to be a problem somewhere? That's what I don't understand why people have not figured out 
that there's, I don't know, like where's the common sense? So I want you to look at your portfolio. Your financial advisor better represent your values. Your financial professional better look at you and say, we are aligned that you should not have BlackRock or Vanguard or Fidelity as part of your retirement accounts. If you don't want the ESG and what they stand for. If you don't want that and those groups are part of your retirement account, then maybe you should make a change. Bud Light, Nike, if you say I'm not interested in having those as part of my retirement accounts, then you should make a change. And your financial professional should be able to tell you yes or no, those companies are part of that system. And and you got to realize it's a very, very small part of this country that's yelling and screaming and, and yelling. There's a white supremacist. Where? Everywhere. Look over there. Right? Remember Larry Elder. He's a white supremacist. They said it. Must be true. Crazy. How is it? The left can get away with that. They can get away with calling a Jewish pro-Israel man or woman an anti-Semite. And people go, oh, yeah, 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 I see it. Where's the courage? So I want your retirement accounts to represent your values. Now, I'm uh, listen, I admit, in the United States today, it's very difficult for that to be a very purist thing. It's hard. You're not going to know every company's and everybody's personal this and every sub-organization of an organization that you invest with. I understand. It's difficult and it's muddied waters right from the word go. But you can get close. At least close enough to, to make some noise make a difference. Because when the organizations out there have decided that they're going to pool their assets, pool their money to support the the uh, woke ideologies, right? Listen, I, I'm not a proponent of anybody 100% all of the time. It doesn't matter which company I've endorsed, work with, uh, written about, spoke about, given, given lectures about. There's always going to be somebody, somewhere, something that, that I disagree with. It just It's just the way it is. But when you have a, a binary choice, this or that, you find the one that's the best between the two. Best for you, best for your values, best, best for your money, whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. With that being said now, I want you to understand a couple of things. I think enough of you have realized that the controversies that surround some of these crazies, they back down when you stand up. They do, because, but you have to make noise. Otherwise, they don't know you exist. You realize that, right? No, nobody, it doesn't exist. So I think you have to kind of go through this process of understanding your voice matters. Your retirement accounts, your investment accounts better represent your values. And if you don't want to spend money at the woke organizations like the CVS or the Walgreens. Now, listen, Walgreens has stood up to, to Gavin Newsom. So remember, if it's a binary choice between Walgreens and CVS, I choose Walgreens. Everybody's different. You can stand up and make your own value judgment. Right? When when Ken Fisher came out and said a lot of dumb things and and states were dump, dumping him uh, as a pension organization, they made him disappear for a while. I think he took a year and just kind of went to some island. And they had other commercials that they showed and he disappeared 
And now you look. Now on Fox Business, he shows up all the time. On CNBC, he's up all the time. So a lot of these guys will say or do really dumb things. Their companies will. Sometimes they correct the problems. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they cover it up. You saw the educators, if you, if you haven't, some of the educators were caught on hidden camera. Right? I really like the, uh, oh, gosh. Uh, well, James O'Keefe. took me a second to remember him. James O'Keefe. I love him. He stood up. What did he do? He went in and found out that these woke middle class, upper middle class, white liberals from Ivy League or wannabe Ivy League schools are out there trying to push ESG just by changing its name. Did you know that? Indiana? You need to get involved at your school, your grandchildren's school. Let your kids, your in-laws, let them work. And you go out and stand up, be the stand-in, be the room mom, room dad, and stand up for what you believe in, because they're going to need you. All right, stay with me when we come back right after the break. Rising number of Americans are choosing bankruptcy to deal with unmanageable debt. I told you it's coming. It's here. When we come back on the Total Financial Hour, 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. I'm Eric Hallaby. Stay with me on the Total Financial Show. We'll be right back. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now Arif has a plan for me. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arif Halabi. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. Eric Hallaby, The Total Financial Show. Talking about your family's finances, of course, getting out of debt, managing money, planning for the future. Listen, I wanted to talk to you about what's going on with uh, the baby boomer dilemma. I should have covered this the first half hour. I'll do it a couple of times now. Sunday, May 7th. Sunday, May 7th at 10 a.m. in Glendale. Call for reservations, more information. It's called The Baby Boomer Dilemma. I think it's an amazing show. It's a good opportunity for you to learn about the reality spoken by experts, not by me. I am an expert in my field, but these are other experts. I want you to listen to them, see what they say, judge their veracity, see where they where they come from. Wharton School of Business, uh, former secretaries of uh, HUD and uh, directors of Social Security. I mean, these are people that know what's going on with the financial system right now in the U.S. economy. 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. Sunday, May 7th, 10 a.m., the Baby Boomer Dilemma. It's in Glendale. All right, as most Americans are filing, as, as most of the Americans that are filing for bankruptcy are the same ones, let's follow this, who went through the pandemic and as a group, have created or built millions of dollars. In fact, Americans saved, follow me, the day before COVID-ish began, the lockdowns began, to the end of 2021, 2022, right in that area, about $2 trillion was saved. That means money came into their pocket. Maybe they didn't take a vacation. They were going to. That We were one of those, probably like you. Many of us had plans, maybe even bought airline tickets, were ready to go somewhere. 
And what the government did is that it ended up feeding everybody, right? Instead of giving you or teaching you to fish, what they did is very simple. They said, we're going to give you a fish. You stay on the shore and put that pole down because if you touch it, we're going to put you in jail. So you don't get to touch the fishing pole. Just take the fish we give you. Uh, yeah, but sorry, sir. It's a dirty fish. It's an old fish. Uh, sorry, you have that last name. You have that political affiliation. You don't get the good fish. You see, that's what they did. New research has shown 54% of Americans are living week to week. In the last month, that research came out. Ready for this? Here's the ones that are filing for bankruptcy. I think it's a little scary. Most Americans who file for bankruptcy in February, that's the latest numbers we have, filed Chapter 7. What that means is to dissolve all the debt. See you later. Not a reorganization. Not a, not a debt that says, okay, listen, times are tough. I got a little bit over my head. I still have a great job. Still have money coming in. But I need somebody else, a third party, a trustee, to help me put my debt together. So over the next three, four, five years, I want to pay it all off. You see, that's a normal thing that could happen in the standard chapter reorganization. But because most Americans are choosing chapter seven, it means there's no hope because these are mathematically. The judge has to look at this and say chapter 13 is not possible. A chapter 13 debt is a reorganization debt. But a chapter seven bankruptcy is a complete disillusionment of the debt. Dot, gun, uh, discharge it all, bye-bye. Now, it doesn't include student loans. You need to know that. You can thank President Obama, the first biracial president in the United States. Thought he would have some sympathy for those. Instead, what he did is came along and said, no more private student loan debts. Now, listen, he didn't outlaw the bankruptcy of student loan debt. That was for Ronald Reagan. There's reasons for that I'll cover in a second. But the bankruptcy that took place, the the change in the bankruptcy laws when it reflects student loans is simple. See, student loan debt, government student loan debt, was not allowed uh, to file bankruptcy. That was under who? Ronald Reagan. But Joe Biden, uh, sorry, uh, President Obama comes along and said all debt will now be going forward, basically, government, public debt. Your student loan debt now belongs to the U.S. government, which means if you don't pay it, we what? We take your passport. We uh, send the IRS. That's the collection agency, by the way, for your student loan debt. If you don't pay student loan debt in enough time, they pull your license. Oh, you're a doctor? Nope. No, you can't be a beautician, contractor. Sorry. You will have that licensed, license to work, just like they did under the reaction to COVID, the lockdowns. They pulled your license to actually work. You're a nurse, police officer, sorry, you can't do that until you pay your debt. Passport, nope, it's been suspended. You see, when President Obama said, don't worry, we're here to help, geez, I'm not sure what that meant, who they were helping. They were helping somebody, just not you. You see, Chapter 7 says dissolve everything. Well, when the student loan debt debacle kind of came along, it's right around the time when people didn't need education from a formal institution anymore. So in order to have you continue to go to those formal institutions, they had to make it where really it wasn't going to cost you anything because it all went to where? Yep. It all went to the government. So the government sends the money directly to the school. 
the university. But you have to pay for it. But you see, the university is not beholden to deliver a quality product. It's different. You walk into a restaurant, you say, I'm going to buy a meal, and you are the one that pays for the meal. And if you don't like the meal, or if it comes cold, or it's not enough, you're like, wait a second. I bought an eight-ounce filet. This isn't even a four-ounce filet. What's going on here? I'm not going to pay for this. This isn't right. But you see, when you buy an education, what are you buying? You're not buying a result. You, you told me that women's studies would get me a job. An English degree would make me wealthy. Nope. Sorry. Because the moment you say, wait a second, I, I, I am... Uh, uh, <laughs> I, you gave me a C because I'm black, white, tall, skinny, short, fat. And the schools will go, no, 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 no. Okay, never mind. You can have a B. Or an A. Try, try to be a professor today and give a fail to a student. See how quickly enough students will rally behind them on this social media uh, scam that they do, right? Where they all rush a particular school and claim that the president needs to resign and you have to fire this professor. He's not woke enough. Evergreen College comes to mind up in Washington State. <laughs> the left professor. These people were far left wing. He was a left wing professor. He's as liberal as they come, except not not this month, not this year, right? A few years ago. Remember, they went after that poor man, chased him to his house, and required the professor to fire him. Instead of going after the students... Suspending the student, coming down hard on the students and the activists and the protesters and these crazy people. Instead of doing that, what did they do? They came along and they said, nope, sorry, we're not going to do that. We're going to fire the professor. And when they did that, eh, everybody else knew what to do. Y'all fell in line. Right? What did you do? Everybody was afraid. I'm sorry, I'm too afraid. I won't speak out. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, you got a B plus. Oh, you wanted an A? Here's an A. Try to give homework. Right? What happens to you and I when people give homework? What happens when you as a professor, I love this one, as a professor... You try to tell kids, no, there's only two genders. Uh, listen, I'm sorry. I don't want to play along with this psychological delusion. I, I don't want to play along. But instead, what I'd like to do is uh, just call you a male and female. Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, man and woman, try to stand up for female sports today. So I want you to send your money, your retirement money, your consumer money, the dollars that you spend at a grocery store. I want you to spend those because that is the only thing that's going to make a difference. I've told you how I've, I've thrown away my Nikes, put them in a big trash bag and said, I'm just not, I'm just done with it. See, because I didn't wear them for quite a while. I'm like, these things are just taking up space in my closet. I went to a homeless shelter, ready for this? And I said, listen, most of these are lightly used or a couple of them are brand new. Worn maybe once, if, if at all. And I just, at that moment, decided to not wear them, but it's been a while. Would you guys like them? Guess what they said? <laughs> they said, we only accept new shoes. I said, what? 
Uh, You're telling me, do you have a lot of them? You must have a a whole warehouse full of new shoes because they're coming different sizes. It's not as if you have one pair fits all. You need many, many sizes. As these poor men and women are homeless, they come walking down the street and they need a pair of shoes. And she said, Arif, we have been sued by providing people with shoes that are not brand new. I, I said, but then that means the person won't have any shoes if you don't have a new pair of shoes. She said, yeah, that's right. I said, so let me let me get this straight. Your goal is to clothe and feed homeless people, which would include shoes. But if you don't have new shoes, but you have a, a bag full of slightly worn shoes, I mean, zero holes in them. I'm, I'm telling you, right? I, nope. Sorry, Eric. We won't accept it. It reminds me of a story. You see, a a friend of mine, I've told you this, I think once before, but a friend of mine in college wanted to learn Russian. Just an interesting guy just decided he wanted to to learn Russian. He's a pretty smart, smart guy. We were friends. I joined the police department. He joined about a year later. During that period of time, he spent time in Russia St. Petersburg, just decided to learn Russian. He was a Jewish American, Jewish kid, not Israeli, but Jewish, decided he wanted to learn Russian. So he goes to Russia, sees a a girl out front. She's not allowed inside of the hotel because it's a Western hotel, but she can sell flowers out front. Well, he was quite smitten by her. He was a shorter guy, maybe maybe 5'3", 5'4". She was probably 5'9", 5'10". Tall, blonde, a real pretty lady. It's a pretty good looking guy too, right? We're all about the same age. Everything is wonderful. And sure enough, he keeps trying to talk to her. Finally, she lets him in. She avoids him. You can't, I can't talk to you. I can't talk to you. Finally, she says, meet me in the back of the hotel. He was there about 10, maybe 15 days. Finally, somewhere along the way, she takes him. They all go hang out. They have fun at a, at somebody's uh, house. They they drink, they they socialized, nothing nothing funny business, not at all. But just meets all of her friends. They have food and dinner. She sneaks them back to the hotel. All right, fast forward, he gets a visa for her to come to America. They ultimately are just brother and sister-like. She ends up meeting somebody else while she's here. But this whole time, it's kind of like his sister. Nice, they have fun, teaches her about America. He just feels like he wants to help this lady out. They take her into a Ralph's Giant grocery store. Remember that? Ralph's Giant, huge. 50 different oranges, 25 different apples, and everything else in those places. Just huge. So they go there, maybe the first week that she's here. They walk into the grocery store. His mom is pushing a shopping cart. He's pushing a shopping cart. They're going to buy groceries for the family. She walks in. She looks at the fruits and vegetables and she falls on her knees and starts crying. And she's screaming and they have no clue what's going on. So they leave their shopping carts with whatever's inside and they leave and they go home. She goes to her room, takes them a while. They call her back out and say, hey, is everything okay? What happened? What was that all about? He said, this is all propaganda, isn't it? I said, what is you taking me to this store? So I would think America has food. She said, that's, that's just a regular store in the San Fernando Valley. There's, there's a lot of these stores. 
And she said, they told us our whole life there wasn't enough food in the world. And we were limited to what we could eat. Because in communist Russia, this is back in the early 90s, late, late 80s rather, late 80s. In communist Russia, there wasn't enough food. And I thought to myself, she was actually impressed at the amount of oranges. Now, granted, I'm impressed by the amount of fruit and vegetables in some of these stores. I get it. But nowhere near the same kind of level of uh, impact that it had on her. And so here she is telling the story. You see, when she was in college, they would pick fruits and vegetables in the summer. That's how they paid for their, quote, free college. They would live in squalor-type dormitories out in the fields, and they would pick fruits and vegetables, and they would divide them up into two different bins. The nice, clean, well-shapen fruit and vegetables would go in one, and the slightly rotten, bruised, damaged would go in the other. The really nice ones would only go to the stores that were frequented by Communist Party members. If you were a Politburo member, basically a congressman or woman, their families, friends. If you were a defense contractor, I'm just using American terms so you would understand, defense contractor, supplier to the government, you got to use the stores that had grocery, that, that had similar to, Amer not even close to the variety, but similar quality to America. You got to go into, ready for this, an appliance store that actually had uh, real stoves. You see, my friend would go into these apartments and these and these houses because he would travel back there a couple more times before her visa was approved to come to the United States. And he would see 1960s, 1950s, 1970s refrigerators, stoves, sinks, hot water heaters that would barely work. And he said, this is communism. You see, where this change ended up coming to light is when the world thought that freedom was about equality of results, outcomes. It isn't. Freedom is about the option to fail. It, it, it's about the absolute inequality of results because some of you will sit on the couch all day. And some of you will go work three jobs like I did. I'm not better than you. I had to work minimum, slightly above minimum wage jobs for a long time. Right? I, I mean, I didn't have a law degree. I, I, I kind of sometimes wish I would have. I mean, it'd been nice, but I, I didn't have the money. The time, somebody had to work, provide for the family. Okay, so a lot of this that took place is the inability for you to understand that you're fighting for something else, and that is excellence. Because when you want equality of results, you get mediocrity. When you want equality of results, you get laziness. I, I couldn't believe it. So, of course, we became friends with her because she was kind of friends of the family, and so ultimately we became friends. And we all, and we taught her English. She knew a little bit of English but she became very uh, good at English. And ultimately in 92 or three, three or four, something like that, her mom was able to get a visa and come to the United States. 
And this lady, as I mentioned to you, was a lovely person. I, I have, have lost touch with her for quite some time. But it, was not, it would be nice to hear the result. Last I heard, she married somebody that was very wealthy, and she had two children with him, and, and life was good. She had a chance to realize what America was about. And I pray she's one that pushes for freedom more than just about anything else. You see, your retirement accounts help fund the the George Soroses of the world. It, it They just do if you're not careful. And again, it's the best you can do. How close can you get to uh, the best option? Well, I don't know, but it, it better be pretty darn close. Right? You better get pretty darn close. Because if not, you're going to end up supporting these guys. So let's think about this. As more Americans are filing for bankruptcy, what is their reason for doing this? Well, they bought into an idea, and their idea is this. Their idea is the most common uh, part of America is consumerism, buy, buy, buy. You see, we didn't before. You would save, you would invest, you would build your wealth, and then you take the next step forward. Now people think that because it's on social media or wherever, that they can jump big steps and leaps and bounds ahead of everybody. Well, some figured it out. Here's what they figured. They figured that, well, look, some of you have decided California is a sinking ship and you're leaving. I don't blame you. It's funny how frequently I get listeners calling in, writing, coming into my office. Arif, when is the t- when are you going to leave? Right. You keep talking about this. When are you up up next to leave? All right. Uh, Fair question. I talk about it often. You know, for the time being, I mean, we have a a business here. We have a successful business here that is entrenched for 27 years. It's difficult. But I do have an office in other places. I do have a business in other places. So so that's outside of California. So that's part of it. But listen, I'm in my now mid 50s. I'm not going anywhere. I like what I do. I'll be here for quite a while, but I can do it from different places around the world, just like you can. But all three of my children have chose to move to other states. Does that tell you something? Sad. Eight out of 10 of my clients, eight out of 10 that retire, leave the state of California. That's been a number for probably since right around 2018, maybe 2019. It was maybe six out of 10 at the beginning, seven, eight, nine, 10 out of 10 during uh, the reaction to COVID, 10 out of 10 during the lockdowns. They said, we're out of here. And you would often have people selling their house. The husband would move to an apartment. The mom and three children would move to another state that was open, Texas, Utah, Idaho. They would buy a house there. They would live, establish themselves. Dad would come home on weekends. And they said, listen, my son is amazing in soccer. My daughter is amazing in soccer or or softball or football, whatever they're doing. And they need to play. They need to be part of things. They need to be in an academic environment, their music skills, et cetera. So we're not going to do that in California. They're, They're shutting down. So there's a purge of quality in the state. There's a purge of productivity from the state. And that's important. Because 2,200 people approximately leave the state every day. 2,200. That's 2,200 people go, bye-bye, I'm gone. 
And when they leave the state, they don't come back. Yeah, very some, very few do. You guys know this. Oh, yeah. The weather in Montana was great the first year, right? Because it was an, a weird, weird winter. This is good. And then all of a sudden, nope, they don't come back. So a few, a few do. Listen, they mostly go to other states. That's just what they do. They leave Montana, Wyoming. I thought it was nice, and it is beautiful, by the way. But the winters are harsh. You have to be prepared for that. And if they're not, if you're not ready, then you come back down to the south. I think it's the 35-degree parallel. You take that across America, and the money from the north and the money from the the liberal states, the left-wing states, left-wing cities, leaves there and goes below the 35-degree parallel. And also, by the way, it goes to conservative states. In other words, where there is a governor who is not a Democrat, where it goes to, to state senators, U.S. senators, that are not Democrats because they have ruined the state. It, it's, it's a very interesting <clears throat> mathematical thing. I have uh, some cousins. I was at an event recently and some cousins that, that are very far left and they left their left-wing state and they moved to Texas And in Texas, they are enjoying all the benefits of a conservative state. And they don't understand why. They they don't understand why it's such a great place to live. They don't realize that it's the left-wing stuff that they have run from. Because they run from them. They do. All right. So listen, uh, stay with me. I have your emails. I have a very interesting email I want you to listen to. It's coming up after the top of the hour. Stay tuned. Total Financial Show, 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. 997-3847. And this Sunday, May 7th, not this Sunday, but coming up Sunday, May 7th, coming up in a couple weeks at 10 a.m. Sunday, May 7th at 10 a.m. in Glendale, The Baby Boomer Dilemma. It's a free movie event. Call for reservations. More detail. Be right back. Thanks to our of now every dollar's got a job. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with me. This hour of the program. We're talking about your email. So let me give you the uh, email address. Uh, so grab your pen and paper. I'll give you a second to do that. Uh, I think you need a couple of things, and maybe you're going to put it in your little phone. So people do that these days. Uh, I, you know, I carry a, a pen with me all the time. I guess it's just a habit. So so funny when people say, write this down. I actually, believe it or not, write it down. Uh, but here's a, here's our phone number, 888. That's 888. So it's an 800 number. It's just like a toll-free number. So 888 997 3847-888-99-RETIRE. 3847-997-3847. Okay. You need to ask yourself a couple of things. Oh, the email. Arif, A-R-I-F, Arif, at TFSWealth.com. T as in Tom, F as in Frank, S as in Sam, and then Wealth, W-E-A-L-T-H. 
That's my uh, police department lingo. It's funny, you know, our uh, our phonetic, a side note real quick, our phonetic alphabet is different than than the Army guys and Navy and probably all military folks are the same. I was never in the military. I went straight from college into the police department. So nearly 11 years in the police department, I'll tell you, in the police academy, I'm 21 years old. They're paying me 1100 bucks every two weeks. I remember that number because it was <laughs> twice what I made in a month. And I said, wait a second. All I have to do is get up super early, and then you're going to pay me to run and jump practice shooting a gun, martial arts. I've been a black belt since I was 18. I, you, you mean to tell me I'm going to get paid to work out, to go to school? I was paying to go to college six months ago. Now now I'm in. This is great. And they said, oh, by the way, most people don't get fired from the police academy for physical fitness. They get fired for report writing. I'm like, what? Yep. So you better get your printing down. This was, of course, before computers. Because remember, LAPD's uh, cases, right? A lot of our cases went to the state Supreme Court and some eventually made it to the U.S. Supreme Court. And back then, they didn't have things written down in, in Times New Roman, Microsoft Word. They didn't do that. It was your handwritten report. And if you wrote sloppy or your grammar was off, you sounded illiterate, it certainly affected the case. What did he mean by this? Did he mean to say this, or was he meaning to say that? So a lot of that happened uh, during the academy days, and they they made you stand up, and they would give you a word, and you would have to spell it phonetically. So just like you would count one, two, three, four, five, six, you had to learn the phonetic alphabet. It was always funny to hear the the military guys, because Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, "Eh, sit down, Smith. (laughs) You got it wrong. So I didn't have that uh, that wrong information in my mind according to the police department i just had whatever i learned so these guys had to unlearn their time in the marine corps or or the air force to learn the new way so i I always think that's funny that that, uh, i was very good at something that was military ish compared to the rest of the guys i couldn't shine my shoes worth a darn man oh man but other other than that i did i did all right in the in the report writing classes Hey, I want to share something with you. Imagine for a minute. I'm going to get to your emails here in just a second. You have an email question you want me to, to answer, or you have a question, uh, arif at tfswealth.com, A-R-I-F at tfswealth.com. Uh, since you have your pen handy, Sunday, May 7th at 10 a.m. in Glendale, The Baby Boomer Dilemma. It's a movie that we're showing. Uh, a lot of financial people are doing it now. We've started doing it. I, I think we started a year ago right when it first came out. I love it. It's clean. It's simple. It's easy to understand. We're going to show it. It's a great place to get some more information, to learn, to understand, to see what we do as a firm, but more importantly, to see, do you need any help at all? Maybe you're right on track, but it's going to talk about the U.S. system from social security to the pensions. It's going to review the 401k system, see where you may have weaknesses or issues or not. So I like it. It's a great place. It's in Glendale. Call for reservations. Call for more information. Seats are limited. Of course they're limited. It is a theater. There aren't unlimited seats in a theater. So forgive me. I know if you call and you're turned away, it's not because we don't like you. It's just because seats are limited. All right? Uh, If we have a lot of response, then we'll open up a second date. All right? Sometimes we do that, depending on my schedule, of course, and yours. All right. Now imagine for a minute... You had an enemy, right? Just an enemy. 
at your border. They didn't like you. They didn't like you as a country. And remember, I mentioned to you what China was doing. China was buying up land in foreign countries and businesses and economic interests in foreign countries. In fact, China has a quasi-military base in numerous Central and South American countries. Now, when I say quasi-military base, is you don't see Chinese men and women walking down the street in military uniforms like you would on the streets of Manila, Manila or, or Hamburg or you know parts of London. But what would you see? Well, you're going to see... This is going to, I know this is going to surprise you, but a Chinese person looks different than somebody from Colombia, El Salvador. They just, so you can't hide. It's like trying to put a black American in Vietnam and say, oh no, he's just Russian. No, he's not. I mean, very rare. I mean, it could happen, but probably not. Right? So black Americans that were in the military in World War II in the Japanese theater, it was tough for them. They, they couldn't hide. They couldn't go undercover. They couldn't, uh, you know, go behind enemy lines because they would get caught very quickly because they looked different. So the Chinese soldiers that are in these Central and South American countries, uh, quote, advisors, advisor. And let me tell you, who speaks Spanish better than just about any other international? It's the Chinese. They were learning Spanish because they were on it. They wanted to be on our doorstep. Now, the Asian... Uh, world, right? A Chinese person can fit into Korea, Japan. Now, listen, they, they can tell each other apart uh, by appearances. But I will tell you, this is pretty important. You need to understand this. The Chinese government, through fake and quasi-fake companies, own real estate up against the border of the United States and Mexico. So if you own on the other side of the border, either the land or the military or the police department, then you just have to open your fence and they go from the left side of the street to the wrong right side of the street. When you have farmland that borders the thousands of miles of border with the United States and Mexico, and it's owned by... Chinese government folks. Yesterday it was a tomato farm. Tomorrow it's an entree into the United States of America. Oh, and by the way, Maine, Vermont, the Canadian border, all along the Canadian border from Washington to Maine, you have the border specifically owned thousands of acres by Chinese government. Now, look, if it's the French government, the Portuguese government, and they're trying to grow something special that they could, okay, I get it. That's great. But right now, this moment in history, China is not our friend. They will not be our friend. They cannot be our friend. Something's going to have to give. Somebody's going to have to back down. I don't know who. Somebody has to back down. Eventually, it's somebody. Somebody, somewhere, something. And you need to ask yourself, if that's the case, will it be us? If that's the case, and we don't, what do we lose? So, 
please listen to this debate about foreigners owning land, farmland, other land, recreational land. Sometimes it's not even farmland. You're like, nobody farms there. It's all dry desert dirt. Yeah, but it's a recreational area. And they say, because the left wing is so uh, psychotic when it comes to the environment, they don't think straight. So the left wing, if you if you say, I'm going to dedicate this land to be open space, open space, they say, oh, we love you. We lo- we're going to sell you more land if you maintain it. Oh, I'll maintain it. Money is free to the Chinese. They don't care. It's kind of like the Americans after World War II. You realize in the late 40s, early 50s, the Americans just went over Europe and said, I'll buy that. I'll take that. I'll take this. I'll take that. And the Chinese are very similar to that in Mexico. Hi, Mexican businessman. I'll take that. You got it. Factory? Oh, yeah. And you can run the factory for a dollar a year. I just want the land that the factory owns that's right up against the border with the United States. They go, oh, yeah, you can have this land. It's desert. It's dirt. No problem. We will keep it as open space. Oh, great. Because then there's a legal right for them to have whatever they want on their land. And so what they do is they do a lot of stuff, sneaky, 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 until the moment comes when they say, surprise. And the shopkeepers and the businessmen and women across the country that yesterday were just businesswomen and shopkeepers, but businessmen and women and shopkeepers that have family that are basically being held hostage back in China. So if they don't do what they're supposed to do here in the United States, could that be a problem? Ah, Arif. Oof, it's just a little crazy. You're right. It is. I, I, I pray it's nutty and it's a crazy theory that maybe not is going to ever happen. I hope so. But you have to ask yourself. The companies that I have my retirement account with, do they support that stuff? I don't know. A second opinion? Maybe I can help. There's never a cost. And by the way, I had somebody the other day walked in. He said, Eric, uh, I want a second opinion from you. Okay, great. I look at it. I said, okay, here's the scenario. I think he had three and a half, 3.53% in fees. Pretty heavy, actually. And in the end, the fees were somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, almost as much as he was making. Meaning in the course of 10 years, I think he made $118,000 in profit in his account. And his fees in that account were right around 116000 Huge. 116 for the broker in Wall Street, 118 for him. So he said, you know, this is crazy. I said, great, I can help you. He says, well, I'm going to go get another opinion. I said, from where? He goes, well, from my original broker. I'm like, he's the one that messed up the first time. He said, okay. So sometimes people make choices. But you have to ask yourself this. Is there an option? Is there a solution that's built around having some or part of your money safe, some or part of your money away from risks? And can you do the best you can to have your values met with the money that you've set aside for your future? Not always, not 100%. You can't always do all of it. But close. Certainly more is better, right? All right, here's an email. It's an email from Joyce. I'm finding this more and more as we move forward. So this is important. All right, Joyce, I have just retired after 34 years with my company. I'm a single woman that has never been married and have never had children. 
I chose the career path and I decided and decided I would be best at doing what I do and I wanted to be the best at it. I eventually earned the promotion to be president of the company. I've held that position for more than 11 years. I have a couple of retirement plans that need to be rolled over and managed for income. Since I am 61 years old, I know there are no penalties to withdraw the money. I need to be careful as not to run out as to not run out of money before I die. I have to also consider long-term care type coverage as both my mother and my grandmother lived well into their 90s. My total money set aside for retirement income is $3 million in my retirement accounts. That includes my savings, checking, and CDs. I inherited my parents' house, and I just finished modernizing it so that it could be rented. I have an additional $600,000 in savings at a different institution. The rental property should bring in after taxes, insurance, and miscellaneous expenses should bring in right around $2,500 a month net. All right. Continuing. There's no mortgage on my house or the house that I inherited. I own them both free and clear. So I want to start. Oh, and I want to start social security, but I'm not sure at what age I think at age 62, it will be about $2,400 a month. And at age 70, it will be $4,000 a month. I would like a total of $10,000 a month net. That means after taxes and about $10,000 extra per year in a lump sum for travel and other one-time expenses. Okay. So here's Joyce's scenario, guys. Let's think about this. So write this down. Here's what she has. She has $2,500 a month that comes in and rent. If she was to start Social Security now, it would be right around $2,400. But if she waits till age 70, $4,000 a month. So my recommendation, believe it or not, is for her to wait till age 70. Sometimes some of you guys, I'll tell you, you no, know, start it a little early. Or if you want this, start it earlier. If you're okay with that, start it later. In her case, my recommendation is let's consider starting it at 70. It's a good choice, good option. And we need a total of 10000 a month. So that means I have $2,500 a month now. Between now, which is age 61 and age 70, that's nine years. We need an extra, oh, probably $7,600 a month. 7,600. So let me go backwards and explain a couple of rules to you that you need to find out about. You need to know about. Okay. Number one, at age 59 and a half, if she was to retire early and she had an IRA, she would have to pay taxes, income taxes on that money and a 10% penalty. So everybody pays income taxes, but if you're prior to age 59 and a half, that 10% penalty is often a forgotten item. So don't forget that. So wait, have other sources of income or there's a, there's a strategy. There's a way around it. Okay. But think about this. She has two homes that have property taxes on it. Now, when you have two houses that have property taxes, you have to know property taxes never go away. You can pay off a mortgage that's paid off. But when do you pay off property taxes? Uh, never, never. 
So you have to budget for that. You have to realize it's going to rise every year or every couple of years. Now, the state of California is broke. It's near bankrupt. Right? I mean, it's basically a bankrupt state because its debt load is much higher than it can ever make. But it continues to have the ability to get another credit card, another credit card. Right? Imagine if a person had $200,000 in debt. The cost was $12,000 a month. And they only made ten. Well, you got a cash advance for the next next amount. You got to borrow from friends or family. Eventually, all of that dries up because you're not going to cut back your saving your your spending. California is not going to cut back its spending. It should tell the schools, "Hey guys, we're going to cut back on administrators. Administrators, you guys are going to have to cut thirty percent of your administrators. I'm sorry, I love you, administrators. I have some of you as clients." But the administrator in the school and education system is sucking up the money that is meant to go to improve classrooms, period. The other thing they do is they hide and bury money when it comes to fixing up the schools, putting air conditionings, new air conditioner, getting rid of lead paint and all the other junk that's in these classrooms while these administrators are walking around with $140,000, $180,000 salaries. And these kids have 37 kids to a classroom with one full-time teacher, six disruptive, very disruptive students that should be in special needs classes, and one part-time aide who's an older person who's afraid to get pushed or yelled at. So who's running the insane asylum, as they say? Right? If you don't break down kids, so if you have a child in a classroom and you're asking yourself, well, well, where's all the money going? California is going to file bankruptcy and what you thought was going to the classroom is going to go even further, less, less uh, to the classroom. So I think they're going to have to raise property taxes. I think they're going to get rid of Proposition 13 and I think they're going to not get rid of it because you can't. The voters won't do it. So they're not going to do anything with it through the voting system. Gavin Newsom has shown that he rules through executive fiat, which means like what a king does. Biden does the same thing. And what Gavin Newsom will do is simple. He's going to implore the directors of the different institutions, Department of Labor, Department of Agriculture, and on and on and on, whatever department he can make up if it doesn't exist already. And he's going to force those departments to create, it's not a tax, Uh uh-uh. No, it's not a property tax. It's a property assessment so your prop, prop 13, oh yeah, that stays the same. But this is a property assessment. You know how I know this? Because they've already been successful doing it with your vehicle registration. Hey guys, you don't pay vehicle re- registration each month. You pay it once a year. It's on purpose. It's so that you will forget about it rather quickly. If you had to do it every year, if you had to do it every week, there would already be torches, if you will, on Sacramento, just like the Portland state house and police stations and we would have overthrown this this group of crazy tax raising people and said no 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 let's let's revote on this story but people don't they don't right anecdotally speaking there's not going to be anything except another vote in which the democrats will mess up with the system they just always do right you can tell me that people are so happy in this state that they've not replaced one, one Democrat in office, one incumbent 
has not been replaced in office in four, five, six, seven elections. Everybody's been happy enough with the guy or gal that's in there and said, oh, yeah, you're doing a great job. I, I don't know, I guess. I, um, it's what's happening. So either there's fraud or people are really happy with homeless people with the smell of marijuana when you drive your car on the 5 and the 170 freeway just to open the window. Right when you transition with the 5 and 170, smell that area. I don't know where it's coming from, but it never goes away. I've smelt it morning, noon, and night. doesn't matter. Or you're walking your dog down your street, smelling weed everywhere. You think this is a good idea? Yeah, yeah, this is fine. No, things are good. We should keep doing this. Keep voting for those Democrats. So what do I think they have to do? Very simple. I think they're going to have to raise property taxes. So if you are somebody who is holding more than one property in the state of California, I think you should expect to have higher property taxes. I don't care what they call it, but you're going to pay more. So just be prepared for that. All right. So here's my solution. Understand that as taxes are going to go higher, we just have to make sure the income goes higher. Because you have to have the ability to absorb higher and higher property taxes and higher and higher state income taxes. They're going to do this in a variety of ways. Because I think you have Social Security, a pretty good Social Security check that is uh, at, at age 70. Now, granted, that's nine years away. That's pretty dang close to our 2032 number. Right, 2033, 2032. I'm a little concerned. In fact, I'm, I, I think you can be okay eight or nine years from now. But chances are pretty good they might do that. If you start hearing serious conversations about reducing Social Security, I would say walk, don't run. Well, well no, what, what, run, don't walk to your Social Security office. And tell them you want to change to go from waiting for to age 70 and tell them, no, 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 I want it now. I want it as soon as possible. Because you might be looking in the mirror and saying, I, I don't think they're going to fix the Social Security problem anytime soon. So if we get to 2030 and you're 67, 68 years old and you're going to say, I just can't wait anymore, then go ahead and start. Tell them to start your Social Security check. All right. So that's, that's one of my uh, recommendations. Here's the, another one. You see, if you take the accounts that you have, if we're going to count on Social Security being there by the time you turn 70 years old, nine years from now. Okay, now that is part of the solution. I'll bring it to the, I'll bring it wrapped, uh, wrap it around. I'm going to bring it home for you with three different options when we come back after the break. Stay with me. The total financial hour, 888 retire That's 888-997-3847. Three different options. Taking these accounts, making them work for Joyce. I'm going to carry it over to after the segment. Stay with me after the break, and then another email for you when we come back. I'm Eric Hallaby. This is the Total Financial Show. I'll be right back. Now Arif has a plan for me. Higher income strategy. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, 
learn from Arab Halabi. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. Total Financial Hour. Okay, uh, we're talking about your family's finances. Look, I've got a couple of things I wanted to finish up with you. Uh, just to recap, here's Joyce. She's a single woman, never had children, never married, so we've got to worry about her and take care of her, meaning it's not about beneficiaries or, or a spouse or anybody out surviving her. This is about her. Her mom and grandmother, her mother and grandmother, both lived into their 90s, so we've got to think about long-term care. She has about $3 million in savings, about 600000 in checking and CDs. So she's got quite a bit of money set aside. But is it enough? And how do we manage it? The income we currently have, ready for this? $2,500 a month that comes from the rent of, the, of her house that she inherited from her parents. It's, it's free and clear, so there's no mortgage. But there's always going to be property tax. That never changes. And I think it's only going to go up. It has to go up. The state is going to charge a uh, statewide uh, property tax increase. They're going to call it a property assessment or something silly like that. It doesn't matter what it's called. It will leave your hand and go to their hands. All right. We delay st- social security for as long as possible. I think age 70 is the best way to do it. If we can, depending on the solvency and all right. So I want you to take from your savings account, a little bit of money each month where you, you're going to meet with your CPA and your tax advisor. You're going to say, here's my income from my rental property. In this case, the mother's. That's number one that's coming in. But number two is, I don't want to be too far above the next tax bracket. So I'm going to take some money from my 401k, from my retirement accounts, just up to the next tax bracket. But I still need to live and pay my bills. That's going to come from the post-tax money sitting in savings, checking CDs. In other words, those dollars have already been taxed. So she's going to manage this. Some is rental property income. Some some is going to be the, the money that comes from her 401k retirement accounts. And some is going to be the money that has already been taxed. So three sources of income from a tax standpoint. And this is important. By laddering three different places for that $3 million, I would do immediate, which is now, right? Short-term, right now, or within the next year. I would do mid-term, medium-term, probably starting in four or five years. And I would want money set aside there. And the long-term is going to be that Social Security, that $4,000 a month, right? So between those three different places, short-term, her retirement account, medium-term, her retirement account, long-term, Social Security, but the other place that I want to put her account, right? The three places for her account, Social Security is separate, is going to be what's called a hybrid life insurance policy. Now, that's going to be right around $300,000. We put it in. It gives her well into the five dollars or $600,000 in long-term care. A one-time payment of $300,000 will get her five dollars or $600,000 that she could use for long-term care benefits in her 80s, 90s, whenever she needs it. And if she doesn't need it, if she's healthy and strong and fine, she can take out some of the cash value each and every month to live on if she wants. And when she's ready to pass away, God forbid, she passes away late, uh, I hope, not early. But when she's ready and when when it comes, we push that account as a beneficiary-driven account to whomever she chooses. It could be friend, family, church, charity, organization. And we can use that life insurance for that reason, okay? So I wanted to kind of see how we break it down, where we put it, how we put it there, what that's all about. All right, next. 
This is another email, guys, and I think this is important because some of you are hesitant with this current economic change, both in California and in the federal government, in the system that we're currently in. Hesitant to retire early. I'm all for that. Remember, I've talked to you about purpose forever. That is extremely important. I don't want you to think that you can just retire and ride away in the sunset. You have to have a purpose. You have to have something to do. Somebody to call friend. Some way to get out of the house, right? So you don't end up divorced. Your wife, especially if one of you is a stay-at-home spouse, and usually it's the the lady in most cases, and the the man sits around and says, okay, honey, what are we going to do next? She says, well, what do you mean? Uh, well, you know, I'm off today. I, I'm retired. Right? So we, we have to make sure he doesn't sit in front of the TV all day, play golf all day, or just bother you all day. We need a happy medium of everything. And that's important. You have a purpose in retirement. I beat that up sometimes. I give you statistics and over and over. That's not going to be on this email, but I do want you to know this part of life, which is if you can retire, financially speaking, early, then I want you to consider it. You can still volunteer, donate your time somewhere else to to sacrifice or to, uh, you know, to give yourself a purpose. I, I think that's okay. I think that's wise. But I don't want you to be somebody who sits around uh, at home and just gets, you know, fat and lazy and diabetic. Uh, I want you to do something, right? Very important. Self-control, manage your life. So here's an email. I won't tell you what the specifics, because you'll see what I mean in just a second. Dear Erev, my wife and I are going to retire before the end of the year. I will be 57 and she will be 55. I sold my practice earlier than I thought I would. And we have a chance to sell everything else and move out of state. After taxes, I will receive about $4 million for my practice. My wife will retire early from the county. She will receive a little lower pension, but has saved $750,000 in her 457 plan. 457 is a retirement plan, guys. I have about $1.75 million in my 401k plan, and we have nearly $500,000 saved in various savings, CD, and money markets accounts. Our goal is to sell our house and move to Texas. We think we found a neighborhood we would like to live in and the average price allows us to be able to pay cash and have more than enough remodeled uh, to remodel the backyard the way we would like. This will be done as soon as we sell our current home. Okay. This makes a big difference. Because when you think about this, when Jason and Jennifer do a couple of things, this is what they come up with. They have come up with a plan that says... We had goals. We had plans. Uh, they didn't say what age he expected to retire, but he's going to be 57. So he probably expected maybe at 60 or 62 or 65. The point is, I want you to be ready when the opportunity comes knocking. You don't just check the calendar because opportunities come around like a train. And if you're not waiting at the side of the uh, at the station for it, it's going to go right by you. And who knows when it comes back around? Sometimes Never. Some of you have seen those opportunities, right? You could have had a house over in this community. You could have bought a house in Malibu for 180000 right? Those opportunities go by, and it's a one-way street. It never comes back. 
So in this particular case, Jason was able to sell his practice and receive $4 million. That's, that's a good chunk of money. He's 57 and she's 55. All right. So here's my solution. Remember, a 457 plan is from is if you work for a county, city, or a state organization, entity. Okay, city, county, state. They have retirement plans where you can put money in. It's called a participatory, a participatory plan. You're participating. You're putting money in. It's deferred compensation. Don't pay me now. Pay me later. Okay. Now, this matters a lot. Because if he or she retires early, we'll talk about Jennifer first. If she retires early at 55, the penalty from a pension standpoint is about half. You need to know that, right? The county says, if I can get you to work till age 60 or even 65, boy, you're going to look so amazing financially speaking. It's just going to be incredible. And there's a reason for that. In 1995, I was part of the personnel department of the Los Angeles Police Department. I worked in uh, a a division. It was just called EODD, Employee Opportunity Development Division, part of personnel. And there was a study that was done, okay, in this EODD plan. And it was this. The plan had uh, a study, and it said this. If you work 20 years, this is for lieutenants and below. Basically, the stress is where we're going. But many industries have a stress, many jobs. It's not just the law enforcement world. But if you worked for 20 years or less as a police officer on the street, you had a normal life expectancy when you retired, which meant the city had to pay a pension for a very long time. If you worked 25 years of service, you had an 11-year life expectancy. Now, this is you know average, right? Some more or less, more or less. 11 years. That means... If you worked for 25 years, your life expectancy was only 11 years longer on average. If you worked 30 years on the job, which is where they put all the goodies, the city of Los Angeles put tons of money, lots of goodies. We'll pay you this. We'll give you this money. You can become a millionaire and we'll pay for this for the rest of your life and on and on. If you work 30 years and here's the reason why. The study showed that you would have about an 18-month life expectancy. That means the pension system would have to pay you for 18 months. That is not a very long time. 18 months. So when I talk to my law enforcement friends, everybody points to everybody else and says, that's not going to be me, that's that guy down there. He's overweight, he's got a miserable marriage, he's stressed out all the time, he's already had one medical event. And maybe you're right. Maybe it's not you. But they come up with the numbers from somewhere. Maybe the numbers aren't updated. I understand they're old. But the concept is still the same. The longer you work, the longer the stress is on your body, the longer that type of stress exists in your life, the more it can and will impact your life expectancy, your standard of living. Right, because you're going to linger. Sometimes you get sick, and you'll you'll linger for the last six months of your life. It's pretty crummy. So retiring early at 55, she she's going to get. I'm going to just guess, but I will bet it's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of about half of what she would receive if she were worked just six or seven years longer. 
Okay, so is it worth it? Well, with the numbers that you guys gave me, Jason and Jennifer, it absolutely is worth it. You can financially make all of your dreams happen. This is not a, a big deal. Your 457 plan, though, but wait a second. You're not 59 and a half, are you? But guess what? In the, in the 457, the deferred compensation plan, as long as you leave money there, you don't roll it over to an IRA, you leave it there, and you pull money out of it to live on, there is no 10% penalty. You still have to pay taxes. That doesn't change. Income taxes are going to be there no matter where it is. But you do not have to pay the 10% IRS penalty and the 2% state of California penalty because they have penalties too, right? That saves you 12%. That's a lot of money. So the first few years until Jason is 59 and a half, so let's call it three years from now, roughly, I want you to pull money to live on from your 457. That's $750,000. That's great. That's a great number. All right. Now, what about the money he received from his practice? Well, that's going to be post-tax money. So after taxes, you received $4 million, which means you've already paid taxes on the big chunk of money, whatever that number was. It was probably $6.5 million you got for your practice. You paid $2.5 million in taxes. That's probably the pretty close to the number I'm I'm guessing and you ended up with 4 million post tax money. All right. You can pull a little bit out of your 457 up into the next tax bracket. The rest I want you to live on is your 4 million dollars some of that. Now this matters a lot because if we can keep you within this tax bracket realm and remember, we're not CPAs, so who are you going to work with? Well, you're going to work with your tax preparer. CPA, us, you're going to do that and create an, a, a strategy, a team, where every day we meet, now not literally, but you're going to find it that way because you're, every day you're going to make decisions. So we're going to meet, but in your head, <laughs> as you make a decision, and then eventually it just becomes what you do, right? So we meet maybe five times a year, three times a year. And we meet and say, okay. Are you on track? Are you spending enough? Are you having a quality of life? Today with the, the Zoom and the Teams call, the phone calls, the FaceTime, the Skype, whatever it might be, we can easily get on and carry a video conference with you, your CPA, and us. Right? That's important because otherwise... You are great at what you do. Obviously, somebody paid you a lot of money for it. But we need to make sure we make the right decisions. Right? So, as long as, Jennifer, you are 60, uh, 55 years or older, you can pull from your 457 plan. As long as you don't roll it over. Don't roll it over anywhere, at least not what you want to spend. You can roll over half if that, and then only spend... You know, let's say $40,000, $50,000 a year, whatever it might be from that account. But I want you to stay below the next tax bracket. Be guided by your CPA, your tax preparer, right? Let them let make that decision. All right, here's another part that I want you to look at. By using a combination of the taxable and tax-free accounts, and I need you to, ready for this, 
it, it's going to sound like a broken record. And for those millennials, that, that's a thing that went round and round. And a broken record meant that, that the needle skipped kept, and it repeated the same thing over and over again. So that's the broken record. <laughs> Just for some of you. Cultural reference. You need to have a purpose. Because here's what happens. You see, if you don't have a purpose in retirement, then you will spend money on stuff you don't need. I can tell you over and over again, the hoarding mechanism that has grabbed a lot of Americans, and it has, the hoarding mechanism of having garages from the top to the bottom filled, from, uh, the, the home where it becomes like a tunnel house, and they just have things that sometimes have never been opened out of the boxes. And you just go on and on as you work your way around this place. And, and it, it's sad. Probably everybody has somebody that they've that has gone through this. Add in that a little bit of COVID reaction or overreaction. Add in that a little bit of television news broadcasting, scaring the daylights out of people every day. I mean, what's the purpose of that? Why would they do that? That's a very sadistic thing. Because you knew there were mentally ill people, and, and folks, hoarding is a mental Ill illness. It's not as uh, debilitating as others, but it certainly is an issue. And so a lot of these folks don't have purpose. It's not everybody, but enough. Okay, so I want you to have a purpose, something that allows you to wake up every day, or at least every other day that says you better be somewhere. Somebody better check their watch and say, hey, is Jennifer in yet? No, not yet. Okay, gosh, darn it. How about now? And then when you arrive, people say, Oof, I'm so glad you're here. Maybe the purpose is exactly what I've been telling you about, which is you arrive in your new hometown and you're the one that takes the seat on the school board and you bump out one of these woke, crazy folks. Maybe you're the one that jumps on the water board or the parks commission and you become the person that keeps these crazy far left wings from taking over your Texas town because they are doing it. They are in Houston. They are in Austin, Texas. They are in Dallas. That is how they take over a state. Are you ready for this? It's called Los Angeles and San Francisco and Sacramento. That is how you take over the state because they are the most populous. And all you have to do is control the head of the animal and everything else follows. So wherever you guys are moving, you need to get in there and make sure that those son of a guns don't do it. Now, here's why. You get to stand up. Take a, take a stand. And when you do that, guess what? They can't touch your income. That's the great news. Nobody's going to call me and say, hey, Arif, uh, this is the NAACLU. And please, you must not send Jason another check. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Okay, that is important that you consider that. Because if you do that right, and you have many sources of income coming in each month from different sources, tax-wise, from different sources, foundational-wise, right? real estate, stock bond, mutual funds, annuities, CDs, savings accounts. Okay, when you have many of those pieces and parts, then now you end up with nobody being able to hurt you financially. And you don't worry about one of them coming along and hurting everything that you've ever 
you know, put together financially in your life because that won't happen with us. All right, here's another part. You guys mentioned by the end of the year, you plan on moving. I want you to consider a couple of things. I don't know if the timing's right for you or not. I don't know if uh, the market of where you're buying or where you own now or what that looks like. But here's what I would consider. You could sell your California house now or not. But if you did, you live in an apartment. But let's say you say, "Ah, I still don't want to sell. It's not ready yet. I still have things to do. I want you to consider buying the house in Texas. By doing that, you might take out a mortgage. Maybe you put half down. I I don't know the value of the, the house you're trying to buy, but let's say you put some money down. You buy it. Gives you time to move your things over there, right? Back and forth, a couple of trips, driving, flying, whatever it is. But you've locked in the price today. And then when you sell your house, let's say you only finance half of it. When you sell your house, you pay off the rest of it. Now there's a strength to that. It is that you know what you're getting on that side. You had time to shop. You didn't have to worry about, I got to close escrow or no, I don't. I better not. Or what if I close early? Nope. You have the ability to buy now and put one foot there and one foot here and then sidestep the other direction. Here's the drawback. Here's the risk. You could end up, if California housing market drops through the floor, you could end up with two houses and two property taxes. And if you haven't been listening to any of the shows that talk about Texas property taxes, I'm going to tell you, they can be high. Texas property tax, unless you own over 10 acres, then you can get or apply for an agricultural exemption if you qualify, and then your property taxes are much lower lower than California for that matter. But if you have a smaller house, a regular house, a nicer home, but a half a million, million, $2 million house, you're looking at a thousand dollars a month or more in property taxes in Texas, because that is how the uh, state and local county, that's how they pay their bills because they're not charging uh, uh, income tax. Right, Most states will choose one of those three areas, sales tax, income tax, property tax. Most states will have one of those as a primary, and the others will either be secondary or even non-existent. Well, (laughs) except California does all of them relatively high. It's not hard to find a 9.75% or a 10% in Glendale plus, and in other cities, across the country, it it is not hard to go along and find yourself in a position to where some states just keep on raising property tax, like Tennessee, it's not cheap, right? Nevada, on the other hand, chooses gaming, gambling, interesting. That's the way they're raising revenue. So just be careful if you're going to buy both houses or have both houses, if the California market drops hard and fast, and you can't sell it or don't want to sell it, then you better ask yourself, can I pay for two sets of upkeep and property taxes while I go? If you can, then I would recommend making that stretch. If you can't, then consider selling it and renting for a while before you move and find the place that you want to live. 
All right. Just some suggestions. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Jennifer. Appreciate your email. Thanks for you, uh, to you for being a part of the show and, and being with us every week at this time. We talk about your family's finances. Triple eight ninety nine retire. And don't forget Sunday, May 7th at 10 a.m. in Glendale. Call for reservations for The Baby Boomer Dilemma. One of my favorite movies of all time. Very clear and concise. Tells us what's going on with the pension, the 401k market. It is there for you and me. Sunday, May 7th at 10 a.m. in Glendale. Call for reservations. 888-99-RETIRE. 997-3847. Have a blessed day. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.